All right, let's move on to the topic of the day, which is learning to uh, share our relationship with Jesus with others, which is, I know, for many of us, terribly awkward to think about and talk about, much less even try to actually do. <clears throat> okay, now, whenever I am, am in a bar setting, and it's not like a nightly thing, but when, whenever I'm in a bar setting, one of my favorite things to do is to just sit back and watch what happens at the bar as, as singles kind of do their thing in Mackin. You, you know, um, that's what we called it when I was in high school. Because um, it's terribly awkward, and, and you usually kind of watch it like this, you know, like the car wreck thing where it's like, I, I, I got to watch it, but I don't really want to watch it. And, and you, you see that for some guys, it's just going really, really well. Like, you know, they're confident, there's a connection, and you're just sitting back thinking, wow, that, that dude's got it. He's, he's, he's pouring on thick and, and all that. And, and then sometimes you can see it's just not going well. And, and sometimes the guy or the girl doesn't seem to realize it, and you just kind of see that play out, and it's like, oh, this is really awkward, but I'm still watching. Um... That's the way it is for me when it comes to sharing your faith uh, in, in that some people can effortlessly, very effectively. Other people, oh man, it's awkward and, and it's a train wreck and, and please just stop. And most followers of Jesus are aware that it's something that they probably should be doing but constantly sort of talk themselves out of it, things like that. So let's just, what, what I want to do is just kind of throw out a bunch of stuff this morning at you. And, and depending on where you're at in your walk with God, some of you may not even be a follower of Jesus and you're just kind of overhearing this and, and, and others of you are and, and maybe you'll pick up something important and, and maybe not. So let's start with the most basic of teachings from Matthew chapter 28. And I want to encourage you, I don't have it up on the screen today because I really want you to grab a Bible, a green Bible, or fire up your smartphone um, and, uh, and follow along. So on the green, in the green Bibles in front of you, it's on page 698. And it's 28, the big number is the chapter, the small number is the verse, and we're doing verse uh, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, and so let me, I guess I need to go back a little bit. Jesus has died, buried, resurrected, and uh, he's at his last moment now with his disciples. For a couple weeks he walked and taught with his disciples after he rose from the grave, and then the Bible says he ascended, just kind of went up into the sky and out of their sight. Okay? Last thing he says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, or because of this, go. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go, go and, a disciple is a learner. It's a, it's a follower. It's an apprentice. Saying, go and spread my way of life to all nations, to everybody. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, the first thing we see from this is that this is, this is flat out, undeniably a command. You do a lot of research on the word go, and what you find is it's an imperative 
go. He's not saying, hey, you know what would be great, guys? He's saying, go. So Jesus' parting command to his followers is that they take very seriously his command to get other people engaged in the Jesus way of life. So if you are a follower of Jesus, you have flat out undeniably been commanded to share your faith with others. And we're gonna, I know that's scary. We're going to talk about how and all that. But, but it is an undeniable command of God. So if you say you're a follower of Jesus, remember that we say this all the time. Jesus never said, I want you to believe the right things about me. He said, I want you to follow my teachings. If you want to be my disciple, then you set your stuff aside and you do the things that I tell you to do. You live the way that I lived. You follow my example. You follow my teachings, period. And we don't get to pick and choose. It's a must. This is a command, and so this is a must. If we follow Jesus, we have to, or else we're not really following him. Um, now, it's also interesting. That there's this idea in, in religiosity of, of the sacrament. And that's this thing or this event where God is somehow extra present. We talk about it with baptism or with marriage or with communion or whatever. Those moments that, that, that God says he's extra present. And if you look at Matthew 28, you see this, this moment. It's like Jesus knows how hard this is for us. And he says, I have all the power in the universe Go do this, and I'm with you. So what he's, it's almost like a sacrament. It's almost like he's saying, remember, when you bring somebody along in, in the Jesus lifestyle that you're living, I'm with you with all the power in the universe. It's a command. Now, I, I was reading this past week. Um... Give a survey to Christians and have them check a box. You know, are you a follower of Jesus? Check. Okay. Take the people that check the box and say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. 18% will say, I regularly talk with people about my relationship with Jesus. I regularly share my faith and bring people along. 18%. 60% say they never do it. So 60%, and we all have these areas in our life, me, myself included, but 60% will check a box saying, I follow Jesus, but not that thing. And, and, and if you look at the very nature of following Jesus and who he calls us to be, that's just not really an option. We don't get to say, yes, I follow Jesus, but not that. So 60% of us never, never are obedient to Matthew 28. Now, here's the deal. Here's what we have to do. I want you to just ask yourself, am I a part of that 60%? Do I share my faith at all? 
And if not, you need to just realize if you say you follow Jesus and you never share your faith that you're out of step. But God didn't come to gild us and to crush our spirits and to make us, you know, do penance to have him like us again. You don't need to start sharing your faith so that God will like you. Okay, Jesus, remember last week we talked about Jesus paying the price for everything that separates us from God. But we need to accept the forgiveness that you're, for, you're forgiven. But we need to take the command seriously. And begin to find ways to share our faith. Let's talk more about that. I want to I move to, Matt, to, to Luke chapter 14. It's on page 729 if you're following along. Um, for some reason I thought these markings I put in here would be helpful for me to know where to start verse 7 what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about why we often don't share what God is doing in our life I mean we'll tell people about a great Mexican restaurant but often not what the God of the universe is doing in our life. Okay. Uh, when he noticed that Jesus is at a dinner party, he's at a, he's at a party. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. Now bear in mind in many other cultures to this day and in the past and certainly in Jesus' culture, Jewish culture, where you sat was a big deal. Like where you sat in a room, where you sat at a table, everything was ordered. America's very individualistic. We don't do things like this, but in... In, in these cultures, everything was ordered by status, and, and it was a big deal to make sure that all the statuses were ordered by who spoke to who, where people sat. And he noticed that people really wanted to find the places of honor. He says, When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host uh, who invited both of you will come to you and say, Give this person your seat. Then humiliated you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So very practically speaking, I mean, he's very practical here. He said, if you go for that seat of honor, there's a good chance somebody greater than you is going to come and you're going to get bumped down and that's going to be embarrassing. You go for the lowest place in the house, they're going to ask you to move up, you're going to feel good about yourself. So he's just saying, you know what, it's, don't get caught up in, in, in social status, don't, well, don't get caught up in social, social status. Okay, uh, down in, in verse 15 he goes on to, to say, he moves on to, to a next teaching in this grouping. It says, uh, one of those at the table got all churchy on him and said, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. So heaven is often compared to a banquet. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Uh, but they all began to make excuses. Uh, down in 21, the servant came back, reported this to his master. The owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. 
Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. There's still room. Then the master told his servants, go out to the roads, the country lanes, and compel them to come in so that, the house, so that my house will be full. Now, if two teachings butted up against each other, one, we need to be humble in all social settings and not try to figure out where we belong. We need to be humble ourselves, not get caught up in those games that we play. And then he moves on to talk about inviting people to God's kingdom or what's often called evangelism or sharing our faith. And he said, we need to be willing to go to the lowest places of the low to invite people. It's like Jesus knows what really keeps us from sharing our faith. Now, we can often say that, well, I just don't know enough or what if I do damage or... What if they ask a hard question, but really it's, what if I look stupid? What if I get rejected? Uh, it's really about our social status. And, 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 and if we're honest, most of us still, and, and I would, myself included, haven't got that far beyond the junior high lunch table. Right? When you walk in, and maybe it's your first day at junior high when all the schools mix and you're trying to find your place. And, and, you know, you size up and, and, and there's just this, there are places where your social caste is accepted and where it's not. <clears throat> and most kids will go as high as they can go by where they sit and who they hang out with. And it's not that different. It really isn't. As adults, generally speaking, we find our social equals, we hang with them or we go up. Um, which, you know, we've, we've evaluated whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not. We're aware of these things. And Jesus is telling us here, don't get caught up in places of position, in social status. Be willing to take the lowest place. Because God loves everybody. And God wants everybody in his kingdom. So, we need to recognize that if we're not sharing our faith, it is most likely because... We don't want to look bad. And when we do that, what we're really doing is we're saying, your opinion of me is more important to me than your eternity and the eternity of your family and your children. When we refuse to share what God is doing in our life with others, we're putting our own comfort above another person's eternity, really. And I, you know, I mean, I got my struggles too with that. So it's just a spade, a spade. That's what's happening. Now we can also get the other, the other side from this, and this leads to the next thing. Humility is a factor, though, because some of some some Christians love to share their faith, but they do so in in like a condemning kind of way, not from a place of humility, and that doesn't do any good either. Now, I'm going to move on, and if you want to turn it to John chapter 8, and walk through kind of what goes wrong, and what's the best place to start from. Um, let, let, me, let me start with, with, let's start with the video, and I don't know whether this is in the way or not. You got the video ready? Hey, you! Yeah, you, you're going to hell. 
Hey, buddy, I might see you at church later today. No? All right, well, then, then enjoy hell, I guess. Yeah, get up every morning pretty early and uh, come up here and share the good news from my rooftop. Hey, Baldy. No, Baldy Locks. Jesus loves you, babe. I, I think the rooftop is a perfect place to win souls for Christ. Um, you know, when you're up here, it's easy to look down on people and see all their shameful ways and to yell at them to change those ways. And they listen because I'm a voice from above and they respect that. Guys, have you heard of Jesus Christ? He's your personal Lord. No, He is your personal Lord and Savior. I, have you asked Him into your heart? Do you, do you want to chat? I have a Bible up here. I'll throw one at you. I, I haven't saved anyone or led anyone to Christ personally, but I'm pretty sure that I've saved thousands. Excuse me, sir. Put those cigarettes down. Those are bad for you. Your body is a temple that Christ gave you as a gift in order for you to live this life and find out that salvation is here for you. If you just accept them into your heart, go down there. Why would I go down there? It's filthy down there. It's full of sinners. No. Uh, my place is up here. I belong up here doing God's work. Would you like me to pray over you? Where are you going? Come. All right. Good luck in hell. Okay. <laughs> Lots to, uh, you know, and there's, there's no need to, to do much with that video. It kind of stands alone. That's, that's, I hope you picked up that that's what not to do. Um, quite, so, so um, show of hands here. Uh, you're here today, and, and I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God, but you're here at least because somebody got you interested enough to... Think about the God journey, okay? So, so what I want to know is, um, how many of you took your first step, even if it's to come here today to church, how many of you took your first step in your relationship with God because you read something, um, be it a little piece of paper left in the bathroom, a tract, or maybe a billboard or a bumper sticker or a Christian t-shirt, if you traced it back, the reason that you got started on your faith journey was because of something that you saw, like a bumper sticker, a billboard, a tract. Raise your hand, please. Okay. Let's just say two. Let's say there are two of you who were afraid to raise your hand. Um, <laughs> now, how about um, a debate with a stranger or near stranger? You didn't know the person well, but they engaged you in a meaningful theological debate. Um, and, and from that debate, it led you to take your first steps uh, with God. How many, show of hands. Okay, let's say there's another two. <laughs> um, how about someone you didn't know well or maybe a casual acquaintance in some way condemned you for a lifestyle and that led you to say you know what they're right I am going to turn to Jesus how many how many of you from condemnation I don't know that you'd admit to that so let's say three okay so now we got seven there now how many of you took your first steps with God uh, because some kind of friend or family member or just a relationship somehow invited you along for the ride. 
Okay. Now, I, I, I know that that kind of stack to end up there, but we all know that really, just in terms of effectiveness, I mean, let's just, just in, a, in a business world, you look at what's effective and, and you go that route and, and it just, a lot of the stuff that used to maybe work just isn't effective. It really is these days all about the relationship. And so in John chapter 8, well, you know, I lost my clock back there. What time is it? 11.30, oh my gosh, okay. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, I lost my timing mechanism and now... So anyway, in, in John chapter 8, there's a woman who's caught in the act of adultery. They drag her out, the religious leaders drag her out and throw her in front of Jesus. Jesus essentially stops what's going on. He diffuses the situation. He gives his famous words, let him who has no sin throw the first stone. And they all walk away. And then he begins to talk with her about her lifestyle. He starts with the connection. And so if you really want to connect with somebody, the best thing to do is to look at your life and say, where am I already connected? Who do I have an audience with? Who trusts me? How can I gain trust? How can I show God's love? And you start there. Now, a couple quick pieces about how. Because some of you, okay, it's a command, i got to do this. Yeah, I'm not planning on, you know, spray painting a message on the side of my house or getting a bullhorn and screaming to people. What do I do? A few very basic principles. Number one is worry about the kids in your house. It's called the 414 window, and it says that the vast majority of people become a follower of Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14. So if you have kids or grandkids, make church a priority. Make talking with God about them a priority. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. It needs to be a continued message that we bring because this is such a young church with so much access to that 414 window. But take your kids' walk with Jesus serious because the deck is stacked for you to reach them. And if you don't reach them... Because i got to tell you, I could pretty much reach everybody else in this world. If I miss my kids, I'd want it to be reversed. Like my kids. Okay. Second thing, invite. Just invite. The vast majority of all stats show that most people who don't go to church would go if they're invited. Invite people to Christmas Eve service. Invite people to Easter service. Invite people to a Sunday service. It's wide open. I mean, I don't want your whole walk with Jesus to take place on Sunday morning. I don't want your whole path of telling people about Jesus to take place on Sunday morning. But that's a great place to start. Who in your life can you invite? They will probably say yes. And we'll do our very best to connect with them. Um, the cause. It used to be back in the 1980s and before. <coughs> If you look at a progression of, of, of Christ, community, and cause, three things that get people connected with God. You know, they make a decision to follow Jesus. Uh, they get connected with a group of Christians, and they get involved in, in a cause of God's kingdom. Okay, that, those are the things that really solidify people. 
in, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, Billy Graham Crusades, uh, the big tent revivals were huge. And it used to be that people first would come to Jesus. They read a track, they saw a billboard, they were yelled at, and they would come to Jesus. And then they would get connected with a community of Christians, and then they would get involved in a cause. And then you got them connected. Okay? Then, in the 1980s, things began to shift. People would first get connected with relationships, and churches would do a lot of things to get people into community and friendships. And then they would come to Christ and follow Jesus. And then they would get connected with the cause. And then they're all in. But over the past, really, what sociologists say is since 9-11 and the tanking of the U.S. economy, which of those three things do you think comes first now? It's the cause. So now what they're finding is that people far from God are taking their first step through a cause. It's like they don't care about Jesus. They're serving the poor. They'll do all the things that Jesus did without even caring about him. So it's the cause. And then it's the community that comes from working together. And then it's Jesus. So one of the best things that you could maybe do to help somebody connect with Jesus is involve them in your life as you live out causes. And when you serve the poor and when you sponsor children and when you care about third world poverty and things like that, you involve people in that and they'll come along willingly. It's not that you're trying to manipulate anybody. You're concerned about eternity. Now one final thing, and, and I'm totally out of time and the children's workers are going to hate me, but... I'm going to talk about a little napkin thing here, and I've done this before, and this works really, really well. And um, maybe if you're far from God, it's something for you to know. Incidentally, if you don't have a connection with Jesus, um, and you weren't here last Sunday, I really, last Sunday we talked about just the basics of getting right with God. And I would love for you, you can do it on an iPhone or whatever, get on, the, get on our website, polarischristian.com, under media, and just write with God and, and listen to that. But basically... As you're in conversations with your friends, something that continually comes up, I hear it all the time, somebody will say something about, I have to do this to gain heaven or to make myself right or to make up for the bad or whatever. Anytime you hear somebody say something that shows that they're under the understanding that somehow they have to earn their way to God, the best message is still the most basic in Scripture, and that is Jesus paid the price for us. The thing that separates Christianity from every other major world religion is in Christianity, God paid the price. And that's the good news that opens the mind of many. Now, best way to do this that I know is you have a napkin, you have a piece of paper, or you have, you know, the sky, you're going to letter write, okay? You put God up here, <clears throat> and there's a line, and we think of the worst possible human being on the planet, which usually is Hitler, okay? He wins that contest, okay? There are others, I'm sure. 
and you simply invite somebody, again, all you have to do is say, well, you know, the Bible doesn't really say that we spend our life. I mean, it's a simple saying. One of the things that I found in my faith is that the Bible doesn't say that we have to spend our life making up for our wrongs. And that's been a relief for me. Here's what the Bible says. There's God, there's Hitler. Now, think of anybody else who's great, and it's probably going to be Billy Graham, the Pope, or Mother Teresa that they come up with, okay? Where on this line of the good living spectrum does the Pope go? And we're going to put the Pope right here, okay? Now, where do I go? Okay, I'm talking to somebody about Jesus. Where do I go on this? Well, I like to believe that if you divide, if this is the halfway point between the Pope and Hitler, I like to think that I'm up in here somewhere. Okay, so I'm going to put myself right here. And then you say, now where would you put yourself? Okay, and then, then they'll probably put themselves to be humble slightly below you. Okay? Now, we have a problem. Because even for the Pope, there is a gap here. that needs to be bridged. And we spend our lives trying to make up for that gap so that God will like us. But what the Bible tells us clearly is that God saw that gap and He cleared it for us. So He sent His Son to die on the cross for all the sins that caused that gap between God and the Pope, or between God and Alex, or between God and them, all that line, all that gap between us and God was paid for by Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago. It has been forgiven before it ever happened in your life. Now, usually, that is enough to jar people away from the typical thinking of the stern, unpleasable God. And they're wide open. And that's all we really can do is to say, listen, this is good news. God paid the price for you because he loves you. And so, number one, you need to get to that place yourself where you can truly receive that. But maybe God's going to bring a conversation to a point where you can hit those talking points, and that is simple. You don't need to know what year the Bible was composed, or carbon dating, or, you know, Greek, or Hebrew. It's just, well, God paid my price. And that's the message of Scripture. All right, let me close with this, and then we're done. We just won't do the last song today. Um... If you need to pray for anything, let's, let's put some elders and some ladies up here and just come on up and pray. Um, um, the message of Scripture is simple, and, and, and that is you are sent, and I've been sent. This is not our world to consume. This is not your neighborhood or your playgroup or your ball team or whatever to consume and, and benefit from socially... Now we get to, but you've been sent to your job and to your neighborhood and to your playgroups. You've been sent. 
If you are a follower of Jesus, you are on mission. You're sent there and commanded to go there and bring people along to where you are in your walk with God. And as followers of Jesus, we just got to do it. All right, let's stand and pray. Father, I pray that you would embolden us. Give us a heart for those around us that beats for their eternity. I pray that we would be so overwhelmed by the grace that you have brought to us that we could not help but share it. Pray that through us you would reach hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands. Because people all over are in desperate need of the message of grace that is there on the table and has been here for 2,000 years.